0: gelman and you're listening to CMO conversations today I'm excited to have with me Latney Conan the CMO of Six Sense. Six sense is an account engagement platform that helps b2B organizations achieve predictable revenue growing that by putting the power of AI big data and machine learning behind every member of the revenue team. I love the concept of the revenue team. Latney had an interesting path to CMO she got her start in sales. Carrying a bag, which we know is a tough thing, and she worked her way up to area vice president. So that means she stayed in sales for a while um, before making her jump into marketing in 2015. So there's so much to learn from Latney. I'm excited to have her. I'm so excited to have her that we're going to do two episodes, and uh, you will be able to listen to those over the course of a month. Um, And today we're going to focus on um, her background and how that influences her role as a CMO. (laughs) Latney, I just gave a little bit of an intro for you. Um, but, you know, for our listeners, what do you think they should know about you and the way that you approach marketing? Oh, gosh.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> I, I, I think that the sales
1: background is important because I like up and to, to the right, and I talk a lot about my dashboard. and. Us having quotas. So yes, we have quotas. Like one of the things about being, you talked about being a frontline seller is, you know, if you bring a deal in on the first day of the next quarter, you're no good to anybody. If you bring it in on time, then you're a hero. The same deal. And you could close, the deal could be bigger. But if you don't make the date in that window, you're like, you know, persona non grata. So I think just some of those like like having clear deadlines, sometimes manufacturing them <laughs> I'm known to, to manufacture things to create deadlines. and just having really transparent you know metrics, I think the other nice thing about being a seller is like people don't come to you and ask for 50 different ways that you're doing well. They ask for like two things.) <laughs>
0: You know. Well, it's very clear, right? I mean, I think that's one of the big differences between marketing and sales is like sales is very measurable. The metrics are very clear. The company understands the metrics. The company reports those metrics like the same way pretty much that every company reports a metrics. The board asks the same like questions about it. So it's a bit more predictable than marketing where there's a lot of things that are a little bit more squishy and there's a lot more variables within marketing of what we oversee. Totally.
1: Totally. And of course, I appreciate that side too, but- you know, I just think trying to, to to simplify, cut through the noise, bring a lot of clarity is, is probably my approach that comes from sales. And then, I mean, I guess someone could say, well, we were actually texting about this. And, you know, people might say that I'm in the weeds and that could be a negative, but I am very hands-on, like, I want to be involved in a certain number of deals or a certain number of, of prospecting or a certain number of like we have drift using drift, because I do think ultimately a lot of sales, customer success, partnerships, there is a ground game. And so you have to keep yourself like somewhat involved in that ground game to know like what, you know, I, are we
0: really playing the way I'd like us to play? <laughs> yeah, 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 keep a pulse on it, basically, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. So let's back up for a second. Um, you know, you carried a bag. So this was at a period you carried a bag or was it before then?
1: So it started at Ariba. Um, so so I started actually as an accountant, which is So.
0: Um, so, I <laughs> so can talk about how, like, most my theory is most marketers are not good at managing their budget either. So, now we have Latney, who is an accountant, can manage her budget, I would expect, and is like a powerhouse of sales. So, okay, you started at Ariba. Before that, you were an accountant. Yeah,
1: so I was at Arthur Anderson doing my thing. I sucked at it. And, and then I went into like forensic accounting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is making shit up with numbers. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe that, that helped me now that I'm in marketing. Um, so I went into to that and then I just became obsessed with like Ariba and, and wanted to get into more of the tech space. And so I ended up at Ariba and I was in consulting to start. And then, but I always wanted to be a salesperson. I thought that was good, like selling software was just going to be the coolest thing ever. And so I begged and I begged and I begged and I mean, it took me like six years there to get a job as a salesperson. Wow. Um, but I finally, I, I finally did. And I was in our strategic group, which I think was a good fit. If you come from consulting, you know, it, it, that's a, That was a good fit. And I sucked at first. I mean, I was horrible. So I got a sales coach. That's good. In the company or outside? Outside. Yeah. And so I went through like sales coaching and, um, and got, got better. And then, and then Ariba got bought by SAP and just wasn't the vibe I was into anymore. And I, I actually progressed and was kind of running a, a, a new division at, at Ariba, which was quite cool. But I was like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to go back to selling and, and see what happens. And so, um, I took the job at Aperio and... And I remember my first meeting, I was a, a partner with Workday. So I was a co-sell with, with Workday. And I met with the head of sales in my region, which was central. And he said, I'm really excited to work together. And then he goes, oh, we're not. You're not going to do any deals in my region. I already, <laughs> have my, I already have my partners. I'm glad you're taking us all out to lunch, but we're not going to do any deals. You, I can tell you that right now. So, um but we we ended up doing quite a few deals. course, no, platinum at the table. Come on. Um so I did, you know, so I did I did well and then ended up, you know, running running Central and then um you know, you talked about being an AVP and I thought that was like my dream job. I was like so excited. Uh but we ended up doing a restructure and and it was just a weird time at Apereo. Um we we had kind of corporate marketing and corporate events but not demand gen so when i was at actually as as a, an avp i set up sdrs and even though i was west i'm like everyone can use them it's fine you know we'll we'll all set it up for everybody we just need this like it has to get yeah. done and then we didn't have field marketing so i'm like well we again I, i'll do I'll, I'll just get this done it's fine and i think that's I pride myself on is like, if I see a closet that's dirty and needs to be organized, I'm just going to go and do, I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to go yeah. and like organize it. And then people walk in and they're like, wow, this closet is very well organized, you know? Yeah. And that's how you got to marketing. So then, you know, our CEO was like, we're having a challenge in marketing. Do you want to do it? And I was like, well, or am I going to be the CMO? Cause we had a CMO and then we, we didn't. And, and he goes, oh no, you, (laughs) he, I remember we were having a drink and I'm like trying not to cry, (laughs) you know, he's like, no, you will like never be qualified or good enough to be our CMO. He's like, I just need you to like take care of it for a couple months and we're going to be interviewing for a CMO and I need you to help interview and like bring someone in. And I'm like, what is good about this for me? (laughs) Why why would I do this? You know, but I I went for it anyway. Uh, and, And it was interesting. We did. I interviewed so many candidates to make a long story longer. We kept interviewing candidates and interviewing candidates. And meanwhile, I'm doing my thing and like making it all happen. And finally, two of the founders went to the CEO. Other founders went to the CEO and they said, we're not interviewing any more CMOs. We're done. We already have our CMO. What are you
0: doing? <laughs> I mean, I think that's important, right? It's like you need to have your allies. And I think that's a really good lesson that people, you know, may be ambitious, but they need to have the allies to move things forward and make it happen.
1: Yeah, and other people, you can be doing the job and the unfortunate thing is you can be doing the job, but if people don't see you as the job, yeah, you're not gonna get the job. Right. And so, you know, enough people had to see me as doing the job and capable of the job, you know, to get Chris on board.
0: So you like move into the CMO role and I mean obviously the rest is history because you were at Aperio, now you're at Sixth Sense. But the thing that's interesting is that you don't list yourself in LinkedIn as being the chief marketing officer. You list yourself as being the chief market officer. And we spoke with Kate, who I know, you know, you're sort of partner in crime on this topic, but you know, what, what is your opinion on, you know, the chief market officer versus chief marketing officer?
1: Yeah. And you know, and this isn't my like line, right? This is, this is and in your uh, and drift sponsors this and is a critical part of this empowered CMO network, which is hundreds of B2B marketing executives. And it's, it's some CMOs, some people that are C- CMOs plus, like they've taken on more and then some people that are full-time board. So it's a, it's a quite senior level group as, as you know, Tricia. And, Every year we do do a retreat, and we kind of cover, I would say, the most pressing topics of almost our market, right? What is going on in the market of being a Cmo? Exactly. You know, versus the job, right? But what's the overall remit, you know, and how is that changing and and what's the future of being a cmo and and some of the and so, one year we, we covered like, and the title of the session, I'm
0: not going to do it justice, but it was like, is this a black hole? <laughs> it was like very yeah, I, because I think that was like two or three years ago already. And there was a lot of conversation about how the role of the CMO was going away, which I feel like for whatever reason right now hasn't been the top of mind media sort of discussion of CMO. But I think there are still a lot of changes, which is why we have the podcast in the first place. So you know, I think we did kind of talk about this a lot at that time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that, so that was the background of the mark, you know, is it going to go away? Does it report to a CRO, blah, blah, blah. And like, how do we, you know, we're supposed to be category designers. Um, how do we sort of design our own own role and what does it need to be? And one of the women who's been influential in the network and took, to, I think all of us is Christine Heckard. And she said, guys, you're focused on the ing in marketing. And, and it kind of actually goes back to what I just said, how you show up, Yeah. Right? And I said, you know, Chris didn't see me showing up as a CMO. And that's that's fair, right? I had to show up every single day as a CMO to eventually get the job, right? And yeah. so, so she said, the way you're showing up is with your ings, with, with your to-do list you know, with your waterfall of this and that, and, and nobody cares. And so, and the things that people care about and the things that investors who ultimately control all of our destiny, um, care about is, is the market. And and that's where you kind of have to anchor yourself. And I I think that was like one of those moments where you're like, (laughs) You you know, it's so simple yet so profound. Um, and so that's kind of been a consistent theme through, through our group. And, and I thought about it and, and I thought, well, she's probably right. I, I probably am showing up doing my aims. And so I sort of made a goal for myself where I was like, I, until I feel that I'm showing up as a chief market officer, that's my goal is to feel confident that I can change my title to, to be that. And so you know, I need to, again, consistently show up that way. And so I started doing some different things like, and actually Christine was on our board at the time. And I was so, I I had a board meeting and I was so stressed because actually my pipeline, like we missed our pipeline number and I'm like, I am going to get my ass handed to, I'm going to get fired. Like, you know what I mean? And I need to go in there and just dissect every aspect of pipeline. Like, and I was like, no, Patney, you're supposed to be the chief market officer. <laughs> like, and so, my first slide, and we actually had a ton of great momentum in the market. And so, before I kind of went to the, the pipeline stuff, I said, here's what's happening in our market. And that was my first slide. And they went crazy. I mean, they were like, this is so great, blah, 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 blah. And then I said, and oh, by the way, we, we didn't perform the way I want to here's the six things I'm doing to fix it. We're still on, you know, on track and it's going to be okay. But I found that this is a problem and here's how I'm going to fix it. And then we moved on and it was like the best board meeting I had ever had. And so, you know, I did that. And then we, I had been really struggling and I'm sure Actually, I took a CMO call this week. I've been really struggling with like (sighs) updating our messaging and our brand. And I felt like I was circling this drain of asking permission from everybody about what we call ourselves, what our point of view is, right? And everyone wanted to tweak a word and everyone wanted to do this. And it was like, just not getting done because you're never done. You you know this, you're never done.
0: Not everyone's good. If everyone is happy, it's probably shitty. Yeah, mediocre. You're like managing to the mediocrity. Man, Exactly.
1: And so I just was in this, like, oh my God, I, it's been six months. Like, I know what we need to do. I know it's going to work. I've talked to enough people, but like, I'm, and I just kept asking permission. And so, um, actually at one of these empowered events, Wendy Yale, I was like, again, cry. <laughs> about to cry. I'm like, I can't get it over the line. I'm inadequate. Like, rah. she was like, don't just tell people you're, it's, it's a campaign. Like tell people you're just testing it. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. Um, and so we just like rolled with it. And then, you know, once you make it a thing and it's cool and it's out there, it's like, it, it just, it's like a, it spreads like a wildfire. And that's what happened. And we launched Sixth Sense as the account engagement platform, you know, before we were more predictive analytics, Mm -hmm. wanted to shift harder into like leading, you know, not just doing ABM, but you know, kind of a step up from that. So that's, so we did that. And, um, And so after that really took off, I was like, okay, I think I'm confident enough to, like, change my title.
0: I love that. Yeah, and I think it's a good evolution. It also points to, like, what does it take to, you know, have the fortitude. And, I mean, your early career, it talks about a lot about perseverance. I think these are all characteristics that... you you know, you start to realize as a CMO that you need, (laughs) like it takes a lot, it takes a lot to push things uphill. It takes a lot to like weed out, you know, the discussion of the funnel and, and get to the bigger picture idea. So, I mean, all of this takes perseverance and, um, and it sounds like you've had a lot of lessons through the various roles. I think what's interesting to me is that Like, as marketers, whether you're chief market officer or chief marketing officer, in the end of the day, like, we're successful when we achieve revenue with our company. And we don't do that on our own. I guess if you're, like, 100% more B2C and you have, like, just e-commerce and straight, you know, uh, pass-through or product-led growth only, then, you know, maybe you own everything. But in general, in B2B, you know, it's a real partnership between marketing and sales. And so you have this background between marketing and sales, and then on top of it, you have this account-based engagement platform. So I'm curious, like, how have you used your background and or this idea of account-based engagement to align and to drive success between marketing and sales?
1: Some is a lot the same and some is different. And so, so let me tell you what, what is a lot the same, at least for me. And we had this conversation before, Trisha, where you were like, no one really heard of you. Like, <laughs> who the hell are you? <laughs> you know? And, and the reality is, like, when I was at a period, like, I didn't network with other marketers. I didn't go to serious decisions program. I didn't grow up in, like, the Marketo inbound model at all. Yeah. And I kind of got thrown into marketing you know and and so from the very beginning I never thought about elite like I literally remember our like digital person being like these are all the clicks and the whatever and I'm like all right that's cool dude like don't care (laughs) 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 so the first thing I did was set up our pipeline quotas you know and I remember the team was like what you know what I mean and I set up like and I looked at our territories and I looked at you know, so, so I think I just always had that MO. The difference is, even though I think I had the right attitude, I never had good data. But that doesn't mean you, it was still felt like guesswork, right? Mm-hmm. Informed, you know, I mean, I, we weren't totally finger in the wind, but it was a lot of informed guesswork. And I think the difference in coming to, to Sixth Sense and kind of what I ended up But my aha was, oh my God, I, we have the opportunity to just really, really fundamentally change, like go to market with this new level of data and insights. And so that's been the big differentiator. And when I look back at Appirio, and that's why I always talk about predictable revenue growth, because when I look back at Appirio, we would make our number, but it was very lumpy, right? Yeah. We have to make our, okay, we're going to run a huge program and we're going to get all these accounts there and we're going to generate all this pipeline and then we take a breath. And then it was like, okay, now we're going to go to, you know what I mean? And and, and so you, we have this variability and you think, oh, well, that's fine. you still made your number, but the, there's a real cost to that variability yeah, um, in terms of customer sat, like it just long-term, it's very expensive way to operate. And so what I found that we've been able to do with ha- having such a data-driven approach yep. is it's very, very smooth. You know, it's very consistent. Um, and we've been able to really normalize a lot of those those lumps out. And it's less acts of heroics, if that makes sense. And it's more yeah, systemic. Um, and so I think that's been the big difference. And I think the biggest... Linchpin between Mark and I is our plan, because, like, as a head of sales, I get my number. I argue that the number's too big and there's no way I can make it. <laughs> but then I swallow it, <laughs> and then I go and try to figure out how I'm going to create territories for all these people. And territories are account based. And then I go to try to figure out how I'm going to hire all these people. And that's my equation, territories and hiring (laughs) and a big quota buildup, right? No real take on what's the market dynamic, who's in market, are these territories good, are they bad? And modern marketers, I think, have come such a long way in using things like intent data and engagement to figure out. No, where accounts are at. And so I think where a lot of times now the sales and marketing alignment is starting to clash is like if you have this really old school territory model, but you're trying to use all this digital signal to actually tell who you market to, like sometimes that's the mismatch. And so I think what Mark and I have done a nice job working through together is the territories have some level of being dynamic, plan totally rolls up together, right? So he understands that he can't just sign up for a number without talking to me. <laughs> yeah. About, okay, well what are those, what are the segments we're going to market to? What do the audiences look like? And so mm-hmm. it all kind of starts with that planning level and we, we call it our our revenue operating model. And scaling mm-hmm. that is just so helpful.
0: And then do you measure, I mean, so you're aligning around pipeline, it sounds like. And so, um, like, how do you measure the pipeline? Is, is it's the same number, right? So, and this is where you can get
1: yourself in trouble, and I've gotten myself in trouble here before, is just the debate on how much pipeline you need can go a lot of different ways, right? Because to figure out how much pipeline you need, you have to make assumptions around ASPs, win rates, and conversions. Mm-hmm. And so the revenue operating model, you have to have a strong process and alignment around what are our go-to-market segments that ladder up to the overall plan. Mhm. What assumptions are we going to make? Yeah. Right? Because I I could if if I assumed two or three points better a win rate, we and then all of a sudden we don't meet that win rate, we could actually end up screwed. Or what typically ends up happening is we pad it, and then my team's a little bit screwed, but we, that, we you know, <laughs> have ways to adjust for that, right? But, but you, you know, because we we end up putting padding in some of those numbers, but Mark and I make those assumptions together. Like, what are we gonna, like, where are our win rates right now? What are we gonna assume for our, our ASPs? Because it's, it's dynamic, it's not gonna stay the same.
0: And how often do you look at that? Is it an quarterly. Thing or quarterly? So you'll change your assumptions. You'll change your plan like right now, maybe for like the next quarter already. You just did it. Yeah.
1: And then it all gets loaded. And then what happens is my dashboard and our, and when I say my, this is like all the, the whole marketing team's dashboard has the entire go to market plan. And in real time, they can see like, let's say we assumed, a 51% conversion from one to two.
0: Yeah. If
1: it dips to 47, it's gonna go yellow. If it dips to 45, it's there. and it lights up. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that that's great because if you don't have everybody seeing the same thing, you can't have the same conversation. You can't go after the same objective. Yeah, and we can go in. Like, I can look at
1: the commercial segment and see, oh, they're green. Actually, the problem is this segment or, you know what I mean? Because sometimes some of that stuff goes on. But it's really easy when Mark, instead of, you know, or RVP calling and saying I need more field events or I don't have enough pipeline. I, I can see right there that, yeah, you're right. Your, your team's not, we're, we're not hitting the stage zeros or you're right. Your close rates aren't let's, or I'm like, actually, you're kind of crushing it. Simmer down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it like, we're going to help your neighbor who is actually. But it's, it's sort of a great equalizer for all of
1: us. And then, and, and that helps us all sleep. It, to me, I take a lot of comfort in actually knowing where we're screwed up. And I know that sounds crazy, but it, it feels like having bed bugs to just be yellow to me. Like, like yeah, yeah. In the tweener. Like I want to know where we're winning and know where we're, we're not. So we yeah. put the right
0: focus Well, I think, I mean, one of the things that I've seen is when you have that, then you can have the right dialogue about what do you want to fix. And there's always more things to fix than there's time or people to fix them. And so getting that alignment on what are the priorities and where do we want to work as a team? And then where do we want to hold people accountable? A lot of times it's about like putting the laser focus on the area that needs improvement, but from both sides, and and so there's a lot that has to happen there and if you can't see which areas you want to kind of put on the list then you're kind of screwed yes
1: and if you're and and so this was this is my kind of cautionary tale if you've got a whole cuz I've had this system before what I didn't do a good job of is making sure that sales was on the same system and we agreed on the system because Otherwise, then they think the conversions, like, conversion is can be calculated 900 ways to Sunday. And we're, like, arguing about win rates. And we then we're, like, well, how are you calculating it? How are you? And I'm, like, I don't really care how we calculate it, honestly. I just need to know what we assumed and the trend. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad like, and way. Right,
0: and are we headed in the right direction, right? Yeah, yeah. Right
1: right. But you can get in this, like, minutiae, you know, and so... So that anyway, kind of working through all of those nuances and just getting it set up has, has been really helpful.
0: Yeah. Well, um, you know, this has been a great conversation and there's so many parts to doing our jobs, whether you consider yourself the market officer or the marketing officer. Um, and you know, I think this is a good place to talk about lessons learned. I always close the episode with a lesson learned and it seems like you've learned a lot about not getting into the minutiae of your, uh, conversion numbers and things like that. But you know, what would you say is one of like the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout your career?
1: They're kind of two sides to the same coin. So when I talk to, because, you know, I'm starting to do some advising work, which is really fun. And when I talk to CMOs who are just newer to being a CMO, one of the things I always say is you got to know what you give a fuck about and know what you don't give a fuck about. You can't die. Even if you think what's happening is maybe not kind of dumb. And do you really care? (laughs) Yeah you know, thinking about that, right? Like you just, some stuff, you just got to like let people make a mistake, like let, because I think as as a CMO, you, you actually shine up everything. And so there's lots of areas, and some areas don't want to be shined up. The other side of that is, I've learned that I always get what I want. It's just a matter of time. And so if I really, really, Believe in something and want it. Now you can't want everything, right? But again, if you keep yourself focused on it, and if people know that you're like that, it actually makes things easier because they're like, "We should just do it because she's not going to go away."
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is your perseverance, right? You said it took six years for you to get like the sales bag job.
1: Yeah, but
0: I'm like, finally, they're like,
1: you know what? Here she is again, applying again. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, you just always get what you want. It's just a matter of time. But you got to know, knowing what, getting what you want is easy, knowing what you want is hard. And so those are kind of some of my things that I've learned.
0: That's awesome. Well, Lani, you've shared so much with us. I think this idea, you know, we're just closing on this important lesson about perseverance and, um, you know, I I just smile thinking of you as like constantly coming back with the same question and people just getting tired of it and you like wearing people down. But I think perseverance is really an important trait and, you know, doing it with tact, I think is what you do really well. So, you know, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank everyone for listening. You know, we are going to bring Lani back. We have so many other things to talk to her about because Sixth Sense, she's been doing an amazing job as a CMO and, you know, she has her own book. We want to talk about that. So um, in the meantime, Latney, how do you recommend that people connect with you? Is it on LinkedIn or, you know, do you follow Twitter? What, what's the best way?
1: I never got into the Twitter, but I'm totally on LinkedIn. Feel free to inmail me, connect, definitely all over that. Excellent.
0: And for those of you still listening, if you like this episode, please leave a six-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. There's so much to cover on the changing role of marketing, especially in this digital first world. I encourage you to go to drift.com and sign up for my newsletter, The Path to CMO 3.0. Latini, there's so much to talk with you about that I look forward to having you back for another episode shortly. Then we can talk about building a brand, help with funding, and so much more that's been going on in your role over the past year. One last thing. September 30th is International Podcast Day, and it's just around the corner. To celebrate, I'm asking for your feedback. Please let me know what content you want more of, what guests you want to hear from, and unlike my normal request to share this in LinkedIn, we set up a little survey. Go to www.now.drift.com slash podcast, not podcasts, but podcast, and give us your input. As a thank you, you'll be entered into a raffle to win your own podcast or Zoom meeting package an Elgato microphone, and a Logitech webcam. The link is in my show notes as well. Thanks for listening.